Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Right. How's everybody doing today? You guys are so funny. You guys are so funny. Hey, uh, before we get started today, it is such an honor to honestly be a part of this community who is just so much fun, honestly. And we all need some fun people in our life, and you all are it. But you love Jesus, and you have not given up meeting together and online and in person and all the ways. And um, can we just give yourselves a hand? Say yes. Clap for yourself. Clap for yourself. Come on. <laughs> All right, hey, the title of this message is The Week Say I Am Strong, and man, I am excited to get into the Word of God today. If we turn, you can turn to Hebrews 10, 19, and we'll pick it up there in just a second. Hebrews 10, 19, and you'll figure out real quick that I talk like an auctioneer sometime, and you'll hear it in just one second, all right? Hebrews 10, 19, here we go. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. 23, let us hold unswervingly, that means clear, focused, not one to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Go to 36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he promised, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. 39, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Let's pray. God, we are expectant that you'll meet with us today, and God, we expect that you have a word for us in this season. We expect, God, that your word can speak to exactly what our souls need to hear that day, because you really are that big, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, raise your hand, or you can put it in the chats if you have ever watched the movie, The Secret Garden. It's a 90s movie. There's way more people every service than I have ever expected to have watched that movie. Wow, congratulations. Um, you know, notice I did not say who has read the book because I really honestly don't particularly like those types of smart people because my weakness is reading as a hobby. Who has a nightstand with lots of books and you just don't always finish them? Anybody? Just me. And so, you know, I have three kids. That means they have 20 fingernails, so clipping 60 nails per week is my weekly hobby, and it's one I thoroughly enjoy. And the other hobby that I seem to have is related to another weakness of mine, which is I never seem to remember to get the wet clothes into the dryer on time, so in order, you know, for my family not to smell like mildew constantly, it's just re-washing loads and loads and loads of laundry. Is anybody with me on that? And so, oh, we'll form an alliance later. This is great. I feel so comforted. And so... I have lots of intentions to do lots of things, but it doesn't always mean that it really transforms my actions, you know? 
And the secret garden for the 20 of us that have seen it is the best 90s child movie of all time, according to no one else but me. But it goes like this. It's a story of an orphan girl, and she gets sent to live with her uncle in this mysterious house. And outside, she finds something. She finds a garden. And it's a big stone wall, and there's a gate on the other side. It's hidden behind branches and dismal-looking plants. And she finds her way through. And on the other side is this amazing garden. It is filled with life and plants and flowers no one knows the names of, and a tree next to a babbling brook with a swing where she wears cool hats. And it's really there that she meets a friend, a helper, really, and he helps her bring her cousin inside the garden. And her cousin is normally very ill, is shut up in the house day after day, locked behind um, this room where he is hidden from light. And it's there that he finds light and laughter and joy and the ability to walk and healing and restoration. And it's an amazing story. And really, the part of it is, is that there's a secret, right? That's part of the, the bait of the title is that there's this secret. And who doesn't really want to find the secret to real living, to true living, to, to some secret place where we open the door and we escape 2020 or we, we come into this whole reality of a real life. And what's so interesting is we do, as Christ followers, have access to a place via a relationship where we can be fully alive and, and fully transformed and, and not have to be succumb or weighted down by every single thing that's happening in our world, but we can have answers for it. You know, what's so interesting is, is that access is through Jesus and it's available to us time and time again where even now he sits at the right hand of God and offering us this real invitation to true living, to a life where we are fully accepted and fully known and always empowered by him to fully walk out the gifts and the callings and the things he has for us to do on this earth. See, his word is filled to the brim with amazing scriptures that he reminds us of the power that's inside of us. And I love so many of them. It's, it's John 3, 34, where he says he gives the spirit without measure. It's Luke 10, where he says, I've given you authority to trample over the enemies of darkness. It's John 10, 10, I've came to give life and life to the full. It's Romans 8, I have come and inside of you is the power that raises Christ from the dead, inside of you. And I love all of those things. And see, the, the really reality is, is a lot of us, I didn't tell you anything really that you haven't already known before. You already know. You, you've, you've heard those things before and, and you have the information. And the thing I've realized in my own life about information I've gained about the Lord is that information don't always equal ownership. And intentions don't always translate into my own actions. And an invitation doesn't always mean that people are really showing up to what God has offered us. And the problem that we find ourselves in with our own transformation where we, we take in what God is saying and God let it take deep root and let it actually transform our actions. The problem is, is realizing the power that is inside of us to live fully alive even now. 
is what we read in Hebrews 10 already that, that he is asking us to draw near. And, and so it's time that we actually really do draw near, that we don't just have this invitation to God that we leave out there just because we know it's available, but that we access it. It's time, just like he said in verse 23, that we hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. But see, the problem can be that some of us have lost our hope and, and he wants to give it back to you today. The other thing is this, he says, would you spur one another on? Notice he's not talking about people that don't know God. He's talking about us. He's saying, is there something that you could do for each other? It's this, it's spur one another on towards love and good deeds. He says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And it's time that we don't do that. I'm not talking about in person or in the room because you guys look really real to me and there are real people on the other side of the camera. I'm talking about as the world sifts through what is essential in our world and what is not essential in our world that we, the church of Jesus Christ, the functional body of Jesus on this planet is the most essential part of our entire world. And it's time that we live like it, not just knowing it, but in a place that we are transformed by it. See, knowing what to do is different than actually doing it. And knowing what's available to you is different than actually grasping it. And there is nobody that has to give you permission to step into the fullness of life that God offers you. If you said yes to Jesus, he says, I have it for you again. If it was 40 years ago that you first said that, he says, I have newness of life for you again and again and again, amen? Amen. Well, hey, if you were here last week, um, I was critiqued very harshly on one matter by my husband, and that was this. It was that I load the dishwasher with like the pointy side up of the utensils, you know? And I would just like everyone to know that there were some non-disclosed members of my group of pointy side up that made themselves uh, known to me, and we have formed an alliance, and we are meeting somewhere very shady and very conspicuous because we are going to have a rebellion because that is the right way to sanitize utensils. And so I'm not petty, I didn't wanna bring it up, but I just thought if I had the opportunity for marriage's sake, I would set the course straight. Okay, but anyways, it reminded me, last week's message was so fun, and it reminded me of this transformation you know, all that he was talking about was that we could step into freedom through transforming our mind through scripture and finding freedom in that place. It was so good. And it really reminded me of this, this article I read even pre-COVID about this idea of what they talked about, which was pontification. Okay, it's kind of a weird word. But it was this, it was the study that said, we will give people really great content and we will study how they consume it. And we will see what they do with it. If they really come to know it for themselves or if they just pontificate or regurgitate it all out as if they knew it, but really, they really didn't. They didn't really study. They didn't know it for themselves. And it reminded me so strongly because they found tons of people doing that, that in 2 Timothy 3, 7, where it says, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. And I just wonder sometimes, are we learning information without coming to the knowledge of truth? Are we scrolling through social media? So much amazing content out there. It really is out there. And are we, are we just passing by like, aha moment? Are we having transformation take place in revelation moments? Because God wants to speak to us in this season, not just in this season, really today, tomorrow, a real word, a now word for you that propels you into your future, that brings life to your soul, that brings strength 
to who you are, that he himself is not information. He himself is truth wrapped up in a person who knows you. He knows you. He's what Genesis quotes as, you're the God who sees me. And well, wait, maybe that's the problem. Maybe, uh, maybe that is the exact problem. Maybe the problem is that we know God sees us, that we know that information. And so we know that he sees all the things that I should do, that I don't do, and all the things that I don't do, that I should do, and that's the thing that holds me back. We find ourselves in this place where, like where Paul says, having the ability and the desire to do good, but the inability to carry it out. And God is in this place where he constantly tries to give us patience, sometimes even with our own selves and our own progress. You see, transformation is this whole process that we have to give ourselves grace for. And so many times when we fail and come short, we think that God is somehow so surprised that we didn't quite turn out to be spotless and blameless. Oh wait, he knew that already, right? And transformation is, is happens over time and sometimes you don't even realize that it's happening. And you have to realize that about yourself, that sometimes God is transforming you in ways that you don't even realize are happening in the moment. See, the, the funny thing is where we think our weaknesses are or the exact place oftentimes where strength shows up, where God says, this is the thing that I will strengthen in you. And this is the place where you will see me transform you. You see, everyone wants healing and wants restoration and wants these things, but the reality is also this. It's that if there's no wound, then there is no healing. If there's no exposure of our own darkness, then we will never see the reality of light's power for ourselves. Just like film, if there's no exposure of what's in us, then there's no development of what's really there all along. You see, some of the greatest transformations I've seen in my life um, were, my, were my parents, and so many times as parents ourselves, we can think that, oh, well, I really know my kids, but you know, the opposite is also true because I saw them from my whole life experience insecurities and doubts and frustrations and joy and the full spectrum, right, that we live with our parents and see them. But you know, it's the same is true. It's like, well, I knew my mom, the look of pride on her face, even when I was in that really lame seventh grade play, and she was so proud in the audience, and I was embarrassed to really be a part of it, but she was proud, and so I knew that look on her face. You know, I knew the look on my parents' face of tyranny, you know, when I colored on the coffee table or was a few moments late after curfew, again, you know, that kind of look, you know, you know them. And, you know, the look of joy and elation that a lot of us saw on our parents' faces when we graduated high school because we were one step closer to maybe paying our own bills and they were just so excited. You know, but I, I knew her and I knew she had these, my mom really, she had these strange fears or insecurities, you know, that only if you really, really were close to her, you could see. And she was prim and proper and elegant and she always wore slips, you know, boys, guys don't know what I'm talking about right now, but you know, like the things girls know, you guys think I'm talking about slips of paper. My brother-in-law thought that once and brought my sister a slip of paper when she asked for a slip, but that's okay. Um, she, she just was elegant. She was just that way. But she also had these fears and insecurities. And one of them was this, we lived in a, a, wall, a house that had plaster walls, so not real drywall plaster. And so she was afraid of putting holes in them because you know maybe the plaster would crumble and the whole, file, whole house would come crashing down and we would be homeless, you know, something dramatic like that. And 
And so there was nothing on any of our walls all growing up. Nowhere was there anything on the walls of my house except for this amazing season, which was when Titanic came out, the movie, and my sister in her room, when you open the door, you saw nothing. But when she closed the door, the exact outline in the door itself on the back were covered in pictures of Leonardo DiCaprio. And it was every 90s girl's favorite place to hang out in rebellion of the plaster walls. But my mom was afraid of weather. She... We couldn't talk when it was storming in the car because she was afraid of driving in weather. She was afraid of um, running out of something, so she saved literally everything. I'm talking, I have my full set of baby teeth. And for all of you who, you know, save your children's baby teeth, would you please message at radiantchurchkc.com and please tell me what you plan on doing with those because I really, I really need to know. And so my mom all the way up, man, into my young adult years, Nathan and I were married and she came to us and she said, hey, I'm going to go on the missions trip. And God had transformed a lot of things, obviously. We we're like, uh, you're going on the mission trip to the closed Muslim nation. You, you're going. She says, yeah, I was like, mom, you know, our wild, you know, our friends are going, our wild friends, the friends who the census say are adults, but you know, they're never actually going to be real adults like those people, you know, they are going. And do you know that they're going under the disguise of a post-college trip and you've invested a lot of cash in your skincare, but it's just not that good. You know, like you're gonna go to jail. You're gonna stick out. They're, the whole cover is gonna be blown. She's like, no, 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 it's okay. It was like, mom, there's really, there's no adults going. We're, we're sorry to tell you this. And she said, no, 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 it's okay. Scarlet's going. We're like, oh, Scarlet's going. Oh, wait, Scarlet, the woman who ministers to prostitutes on Saturdays in the streets of Cincinnati, that, that's Scarlet. You have nothing in common with this woman. I, I can't believe this. And she just looked at us when we were the ones filled with doubt and insecurity, and she just looked at us like, who cares? And she just said, you know, I've gotten a lot of things wrong, and I have a lot of things that I still need to get right, but I just think that maybe God could still use me. And how are we going to argue with that? So she did. She went and she rode camels in the Sahara and, you know, was encouraged and encouraging and praying through the streets of this nation and, and found members of the underground church. And she came back with these wild stories with our friends, mind you, um, about how Zach almost left her on the train platform because she had a croissant in one hand and a Moroccan rug on her backpack. And she really, there would a layover at 2 a.m. in Paris and she really needed to see the Eiffel Tower because YOLO. We're like, who says YOLO? Like, not you. What's happening to you? Like, who are you? And it was this, this transformation where you got to see and the reality of what I experienced when I, when I look at that and I remember what God did is because she was not afraid to let her weaknesses be exposed. And she was so honest with herself about where God could strengthen her. And it was one of the biggest gifts that she gave me. See, the problem is not our potential, but the willingness to have our weaknesses transformed. The problem is not our charging forward in faith, but what we do when we meet an obstacle right there where we feel like we were headed. The problem isn't our hold. The problem, just like we read in Hebrews, is that we're not always holding on to hope. The problem is not our willingness to know what to do. It's actually to really do it and to walk it out. 
And so many times we, we view our weaknesses as this laundry list of all of our disqualifiers, as this is why I can't really be transformed, and this is why I can't live in true living, and this is why I'm not really sure if I'm all in in my own faith or not, because all these things that I'm struggling with. Or we do this, we say, oh, because the people I live with or I'm surrounded with or work with, they have all of these weaknesses, so they're why I cannot walk fully in strength. And that is not an obstacle. In that case, that can just be offense. And God wants to give you a reality of realizing that his purpose for you is not limited by your weakness or your view of someone else's, that your purpose and your plans were destined for you to walk out in strength, even now in 2020, that don't confuse your assignment with others' approval of you. And don't confuse if you are maybe, I don't know if now's the right time, with God's actual timetable for you. See, plans, opinions, and potential don't change anybody, but you walking out your purpose and strength does. And Hebrews 10.36, just as he reminds us that you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. See, there are promises, real promises. And there are more promises waiting for you than all of the lists of the weaknesses that you feel like is the reason why you're not going to get them. There are more promises. God is speaking to us today and saying this, do the will of God, be transformed. Do the will of God, persevere. Do the will of God in spite of your weaknesses. You see, God wants to resurrect you in the exact place that the enemy is trying to bury you. And I don't know who said it because apparently I don't read enough as a hobby and I'm not that well read, but someone said this amazing quote of if the enemy and God are both after the human soul, how valuable it must be. And I think that that is so true. Second Corinthians 12, nine, this is gonna be my, my life verse because I currently do not crossfit like lots of other people in my life, nor do I have the desire to throw tires. But 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. He says, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, the thing about this is the opposite is also true. Without weakness, there is no power. Without a war, there is no warrior. Without a battle, there's no victory. Without crushing, there's no oil. Without a hole, there's no filling. And without death, there's no resurrection. The answer is this. God is inviting us into a place where we show him our weaknesses. We show him what we really have on the inside that sometimes we try to shy away. And he helps us identify it. And we run to the battle line and we see what's really there. We find 20 scriptures to transform our mindset. We look at that and we tell the enemy to flee. When's the last time you really told him to flee, right? And we say, this is the place. My weakness right here is where power and strength will show up if I lean into it. That is the place where the weak say, I am strong, where the poor say, I am rich, and where the power is made perfect in weakness. See, the other answer for a lot of us is this, is we have to take the pressure off of being the king. 
And some of you say, well, I know that. I know that I'm not supposed to because I know that information because that's idolatry and idolatry is bad. My mom told me so. All of those things, right? We learned that. We know the information. But for me, this was really real for me even in the spring. Like so many of us saw our coworkers who don't know God and those who do too. Um, but this burden of seeing their lives turned upside down to see anxiety and fear about the future and what am I gonna do with my kids and my marriage and real issues that I just didn't feel equipped to have the full answers for. Was anybody with me? Did you felt like that in a few, the last few months? And this whole concept kept ringing in me like you are, God calls us to be an, his ambassador, which makes zero sense to me because how can a perfect God look at imperfect people and say, I would, I would like you to represent me. No, no, no. I feel totally inadequate for that. And it, it's, it was pressuring for me. And God just reminded me one day at work and just said, Rachel, an ambassador does not have the pressure of being the king. The ambassador has access to the king. And when you are faced with real problems from people and questions and social injustices and depravity and things that feel so weighty, bring it to me and I will give you an answer. Speak, I will speak to you and tell you who to encourage. I will do this for you. It's just access to the king. You see, I am begging you to not hold back from accessing the king. God is telling you to do the will he has for you to do anyway, despite 2020, despite the fact that I personally feel like I am reliving you know, all of my high school and middle school punishments. You know, I can't go out of the house. I can't go to my friend's party. I can't do all these things. I'm telling you, in spite of the weirdness that we're living in, right? He is asking us to do it anyway. We have access, all access pass, the kind that are highly desirable. And we have access to the place of life. We have access to not just the place, but the giver of life. And the giver of life is not us. The giver of life is Jesus. And he gives us love, joy, peace. He gives us patience. He gives us restoration. He gives us healing. He gives us an identity, a future, a hope. He gives us all of those things. And he's asking us to remember what's inside of us, to practice those things with passion and to hand them out like we know that he is active inside of us. It is not a time for holding anything back, even now. And still so many people, I'm sure, are thinking, um, I'm not holding anything back because I don't have anything left to give. I'm done. I don't have answers. I'm tired. I'm weary. I've been in a funk. I just, I'm done. I don't have what it takes. And I have been to that place but just like when I was in that place, someone helped pull me out and they reminded me this, the widow's mite. The widow gave a mite. It was almost nothing and she gave it anyway. And oh my goodness, do you have so much more than that? You have access to so much more than that. And when you bring God, you're nothing. He knows exactly what to do with it because God 
always knows what to do with nothing. He hangs the world on nothing. He breathed on dirt near nothing and made you and I. And he looks at us and he says this, you have a promise and a passion to pursue me. I will help fire that for you. And you will have an assignment where you are fully equipped and fully known and fully able to walk it out with me. You see, we always see our failures and God sees. He's the God who sees us. He sees right through it and he sees our future. And if he will can hang the world on nothing, what more could he do with you? And so the answer, we even sang it earlier. The answer is this. It's Colossians 1.27. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. He is asking us to not hold back our gifts, our faith, our words, our solutions, our answers, our generosity, our talents. He's asking us to not hold it back because where the enemy is trying to bind you, God wants to loose. And where the enemy is trying to silence you, God is telling you, to speak it. And where the enemy is trying to highlight as all of your weaknesses, God says, that is the place that I will transform you. And that is the place that where my strength will show up. Your world needs what you've got right now. Not for in a future season, not for when we feel like it, not for when we decide to have enough energy to pursue it and put on real pants. You know, it's now, it's right now. He has put inside of you things for such a time as this. It's not a season for holding back. It's only a season for moving forward. And the breathing, the breathing on nothing and the all access pass all started in the garden. And in the garden was, was the tree of life. And in the garden was the knowledge of good and evil. And in the garden was where Jesus knelt before he went on the cross. And in the garden is where he saw Mary and he says, I live again. In the garden was where he says, abide in me. I am the gardener. And in the garden is when Isaiah 58, he says, you will be like a well-watered garden. I love this. Isaiah 58, 11, he says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters, I love this, never fail. And I love that about God. I love that about God, that he always satisfies us in a sun-scorched land and strengthens us. And he calls us not only to be with him, but to be the tool that he can use to reach more people. And in Revelation 22, the last chapter of our entire Bible, the garden is there again. Just like it was in the beginning, it's there in the end. There is no amount of information that histor historians could have fabricated to put God's word in such an order that reveals so much truth and purpose and destiny. The Bible is not information. The Bible is transformation, life, revelation, and it's here for us to access 
God, because the garden was at the beginning, the garden is at the end. Oh yeah, because he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. And all the places in between, he is inviting us on this journey. And in Hebrews 10, just like we see in Revelation, just like we read in Hebrews 10, he says this again in two places. Again, he says, I am coming and I am coming soon. And just like in Hebrews 10, he says again at the end in Revelation 22, and I will give each person for what they have done. And it's not intention or information, it's action and ownership and ambassadorship. And for such a time as this, he is, he is telling us that access to God, perseverance in our faith, and purpose in doing his will is linked all together from the beginning to the end. And just like it is in the Bible, it is a part of your story in the same way. Access to God, perseverance, power and purpose in doing his will. See, it's Christ in us, the hope of the glory. It's where the weak say, I am strong because of the reality of light's transformation power. It is the place where we say his power is made perfect in my weakness. With his help, we can scale a wall. We have access. We have the key to transformation. Open the door. Hebrews 10, 39 says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith. He's asking us today to remember what's inside of us, to remember what's inside of you. Remember what's inside of you. He gives the spirit without measure. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. He's given you all authority to trample over the enemies of the kingdom of darkness, and it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Be transformed. In that place is where the weak say, I am strong. Let's pray. God, I pray for, pray for all of us here today, God, I pray that your, your word would transform us, that your word is the truth, that your word is the source of life to our weary state, that your word has more transformation power than any other words in the world, that you have created us, God, for such a time as this. God, I pray for weariness to be replaced with strength. I pray for hopelessness to be replaced with hope. I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself again and again over the upcoming weeks and months to have a resolute faith in our midst that says we are here for now for such a time as this. God, I pray, Lord, that you would let our weaknesses be transformed through you and power would be in its place. In Jesus' name. And all of Radiant said, amen. Amen.